Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. Hey, Bobo, are you as excited as I am? You know it. And of course, I think our audience is probably excited unless they haven't heard that tomorrow on Labor Day, Monday, there is an all-day-long Finding Bigfoot marathon on Animal Planet culminating at 9 p.m. with the brand-new episode. This is a brand-new episode that's only been aired on Discovery Plus so far, but now it has finally come to Animal Planet for everybody else to enjoy. It's about damn time. Seriously. This was a really fun episode. Um, it was you know, good to see everyone together again. And we had some action. We actually got stuff recorded. It was a successful uh, expedition. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to spoil the fun for people who haven't seen it yet, but we've had numerous guests on this program that'll be featured in the episode. We go to Southeast Ohio and then over the bridge into West Virginia. There's footprint casts, there's photographs, there's amazing stuff in this uh, two-hour special, brand new Finding Bigfoot, so everybody should check it out. In fact, if you're having a barbecue or something, put on Animal Planet. Let it play all day long. Because if Finding Bigfoot will ever come back for a special or, or a series or anything, it's only going to be through ratings. And that's where our listenership comes in. We're talking about you, folks. So if you watch Finding Bigfoot all day long on Labor Day, that helps us, at least in the network's eyes, that's like, hey, people are still interested in this program. People want to watch it. And maybe, maybe we'll be invited back for another special or maybe even a series. You never know. That's above our pay grade. We just look for Bigfoot. Just leave your TV running. If you're outside barbecuing or whatever, just keep it running. Or if you're going to be out of town, just hit uh, record and record all of them. So there you go. All day long on Labor Day, on Animal Planets. All day long Finding Bigfoot Marathon, culminating at 9 p.m. with the brand new Finding Bigfoot, The Search Continues. Watch it for us, but more importantly, watch it for you. It's good for the soul. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Good afternoon, Cliff. Good afternoon, Bobo. How are you doing today? Excellent. Excellent. I am also excellent. Had a weekend out of town with my wife and did a little bit of uh, Bigfoot sightseeing and interviewed some good people and blah, 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 blah. I live a pretty squatchy life and this weekend was a good example of it. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. I was just down in Santa Barbara for a beautiful wedding this weekend and now I'm down at uh, Fireball and Alicia is getting ready to uh, yeah do some stuff down here in SoCal, but um, anyways, yeah, I got a uh, I got a message the day before yesterday from Danny Danny Dupont. We interviewed on here down in Louisiana. Yeah, and that house where I went to, where the baby was running on the roof, and he got those video clips and audio, and where I had the tent pushed in on me, the big one pushed its hand down on it, and all that two years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, well, he just sent me a picture the other day, which I forwarded to you 
of a you know a giant handprint on the kitchen window this time, whereas last time it was on the living room window on a mobile home down uh, some about thirty acres on the edge of Caddo Lake. And it's uh, they they said that I just got a thing saying they're back. Oh, nice. And, yeah, and then um, so they, there's a giant hamper on there, and just like the last time I saw we uh, I saw that hamper that due to some uh, weather issues we didn't weren't able to, to collect, but this time there's there's been no rain. It just happened like three days ago, so I thought, gosh, that's only about four hours from Dallas area, and Shelly coming to Montana lives over there, and Mike Waldy, who we just interviewed from Texas, and because that part of Louisiana is right on the Texas border. So uh, I was like, oh, I called Shelly, couldn't get a hold of her. I figured she's out in the bush somewhere. And then I was like, oh, I'll call Craig Woolheater down in Texas. He runs the Texas uh, Bigfoot Research Center. And was, uh, he knows everybody. So like, oh, yeah, he, he'll, he'll be like in touch. And then I was like, okay, you know, we've been talking about having William. Let's see if he can just jump on short notice. And so today we have the inimitable Craig Woolheater. Yeah, Craig Woolheater is a good friend of ours. He runs the Texas Bigfoot Conference every year, which is one of my favorite events to do. And Craig is just one of my favorite Bigfooters in general. So, Craig, welcome to Bigfoot and Beyond. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Hey, guys, no problem. Uh, yeah, I was surprised when Bobo called last night with that the cool story of the of the handprint on the window. And, um, you know, I, he or I were both reading each other's minds because um, – you know, my first thought was to get Michael Waldy and Shelley Covington, Montana on it, uh, because, you know, the last time I got something like that, which was that face print um, on the glass door in uh, here in Texas. You know, I had Michael Waldy go take care of that and I actually took the glass out of the door and, and preserved it. And, and then you were there as well when um, we examined it at the at the conference last year. Um, you know, had, had the glass door and, and, uh, Shelly and Michael and you pulled the, the face print off of the glass. So that was my first thought when Bobo called me with that is like, Hey, you know, let's get, uh, out there and, and get that piece of glass and, uh, get it. So, um, the handprint can be preserved and pulled off and, and, uh, using the, you know, this, um, DNA testing for this new, well, I guess it's not really new, but new discovery of this, this oily substance that's left behind with face prints and hand prints to, um, try and get that DNA tested. Yeah. Yeah. And if nothing else, take a look at the dermatoglyphics and, uh, just a general hand shape and size. Uh, the photograph is interesting. It's not the best picture in the world. It's, uh, just because you're looking through glass at a mark on the glass. So the contrast, I mean, I haven't had a chance to play with it in Photoshop and increase the contrast and whatnot, but if, uh, somebody can get out there and lift it, you know, forensically lift that thing like a fingerprint and then take a little bit of sample, um, for, uh, uh Doug Heichek or whoever else might be interested. It'd be, I think that'd go a long way. It'd be really nice to get somebody out there. So hopefully my Mike or Shelly or somebody will get out there. Yeah, Mike's on it. And Shelly is actually um, up in the Pacific Northwest right now for this oh. month. So she's, uh, you know, out of touch except by satellite phone more than likely. Um, so that's what's going on with her. But I believe Michael is, you know, the plan is probably to go. I don't believe he can get out there till this weekend, but to get Danny to preserve it, uh, cover it and weatherproof it until he can get out there. And the plan is, you know, if the homeowner is okay with it to actually, you know, remove the glass and, um, 
use, you know, be able to have it in uh, a sterile condition to be able to, you know, lift it, the print and, and do any testing or, you know, anything like that, but to actually have possession of it um, until we can get it lifted anyway. And then, you know, he'll, uh, he'll, I'm sure either replace the homeowner's window or, or, you know, after, or temp it in until he can get it back to him like he did with the glass door last year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to have someone like Mike uh, and Shelly too down there, even though Shelly's not there right now, just to get on things quickly and uh, do the right thing and bring the evidence back. You know, we're, we're past the, the era of stories. I hope we're hopefully entering the era of evidence and getting things back and putting them in the hands of people who can analyze them pro- appropriately. Yeah. Since that's a, it's a prefab, you know, mobile that I think they have to pull the whole windows section out the four by four window. Like they have to pull all four because it's a vinyl. So they'll probably have to pull the whole thing. So that's going to be very, very generous that they, you know, can put up with like a plywood over the window <laughs> for a week. Well, I'm, I'm sure Michael would, would even, you know, if it came down to it, would even, you know, buy another window and, and put it in. I mean, he's handy and, does uh construction and and stuff like that so he's a a good you know has a good set of hands on him for doing uh stuff like that so i'm sure we can come up with a um you know a reasonable way to uh take possession of it and and get it lifted um you know where it's you know and easier to do than you know a window that you know maybe six or eight feet tall and and vertical as opposed to having it horizontal on you know, uh, a table or a sawhorses or something to, uh, you know, gather as much evidence as possible. You know, and uh, things like this have happened before. Yeah. I know Dennis Full was involved yeah. in something like this um, down um, in New Mexico, where a Sasquatch came up and uh, ran its hands and pushed in on this uh, screen that was covering a glass and uh, a glass window. But Dennis went down down there and Dennis actually did I think he did screen doors and windows for a living there. So he removed the screen and replaced it for the property owners, just like uh, hopefully what Mike will do um, for the, uh, this property owner. And we yeah, treat the chip, screen. I told him I'd chip in for a new window. He's like, you have much money I spent on thermal thing. I'm worried about a window. <laughs> oh, Mike. Yeah, I mean, he, he and Shelly have, uh, you know, have collected, you know, they've got, you know, one of those high dollar thermal drones, I think, that cost like yeah. $7,200 and, and um he's got they've got all kinds he's got a a suburban that's outfitted with you know thermal on cameras on every side and um you know they're really they're really doing a good job i mean they're they've kind of become my go-to two guys because you know not much um don't do much investigation or anything anymore for the texas bigfoot research center it's uh you know, it's mostly me these days and, and my strength is organization. And that was my strength, you know, in the past that I wasn't an outdoorsman or anything like that, but I assembled a a team of people that had, you know, all the other strengths that uh, I didn't possess. That was the, the strength of the organization is that, you know, we had, you know, somebody who's, um, had, you know, expertise in, you know, tracking or, you know, survival skills or, or whatever that, um, you know, 
made us uh, very good at collecting evidence and and investigating reports and such. And, um, you know, my strength was in organization. So that's really, you know, what I do now, uh, event organizing and and uh, planning stuff like that. And uh, I guess we'll probably get around to my events here at some point, but I got a, a cool new event that I'm just starting up this year. That's uh, going to be really cool. I guess we'll start with the stuff that hasn't even happened yet. Let's start there and we'll kind of work backwards and learn about your past as we go. But what do you have in store for us that's coming around the corner? Uh, okay. Well, the Texas Bigfoot conference, this is actually the 20th anniversary Texas Bigfoot conference. The first one was actually September 15th, 2001, four days after nine 11 was the very first one. Good timing. Uh, well, I couldn't get some speakers here, but John, Dr. John Bender and his wife were already well on their way as they drove and, um, all the way from Vancouver Island to Jefferson, Texas. So they were already well on their way and he was our keynote speaker. So that, you know, worked out and, uh, you know, we still had uh, about 130 people that showed up at the very first one. Well, I think that's great because, um, you know, after a national tragedy, something uh, that's positive like that can go a long ways towards morale, you know? You know, it was a somber, you know, event because, you know, everybody was still in shock about that. But, you know, we had camaraderie and fellowship in, in Sasquatch, which was, you know, very nice. Um, people were very interested and, and the event has just grown and grown and you guys have been at a couple of them. Um, but this year I decided to start up an annual, well, it's called the Texas Bigfoot film festival, but it's not about Bigfoot films necessarily that were filmed in Texas. It's not about films about Texas Bigfoot. It's just a Bigfoot film festival that's in Texas. Just down the road from Jefferson in Marshall, Texas, it's going to be December 11th. Uh, 11th. I can't believe I <laughs> said that. It's my 11th birthday. Yes. It, it damn near it almost is. <laughs> Cliff, you're not joking. Anyway, um, it's at uh, in Marshall, Texas, which is uh, about 15 miles south of Jefferson. The same road we come in on on Highway 59, it's right there. But they've got a, an event center that um, up until 1967 was the City Hall. And it is now the Marshall City Hall Performance Center. And it's been totally renovated about two years ago. And it's a 552-seat theater that they have plays and concerts and film festivals and all kinds of stuff. So I thought... You know, and I've been to one, I think it was in 2009 or 10 that was in Pennsylvania, uh, was a Bigfoot film festival. And they were supposed to do a, a Yeti film festival the next year, but it never happened. But um, with uh, my connections, I, I started contacting people. Um, I've already rented the theater. It's already it's already set up. Like I said, it, it has 552 seats. I mean, it's like you know, the old time theaters with the boxes on the sides and everything. It's beautiful. You sent me a picture of that. It's absolutely I gorgeous. You, I sent you the, the video of it, of the tour of it. And so far, um, I kind of had a lineup in my head for this first year, but we're, I, it is opened up for people to submit, you know, uh, submissions, uh, Bigfoot movies they've made and, and to have um, a committee that will, 
you know, watch them and decide uh, on that. But um, this year, um, I'll start at the bottom. It's it's a documentary that I'm possibly in it too much, but Southern Fried Bigfoot by Sean Whitley. Um, he's We're going to screen that. He's going to be there to discuss the making of the film and the background on it. Um, and then I've got a couple of guys that are just good buddies that wanted to screen films. So Lyle Blackburn will be there and he'll be screening um, Creature from Black Lake, which is a, a seminal Southern Sasquatch movie that was uh, filmed in 1976 on Cattle Lake, actually on the Louisiana side of Cattle Lake. Um, and so he'll be screening that. We'll be, you know, discussing the making of the film and the background behind it. And then Lauren Coleman is coming down, and um, I was surprised by his choice, but he's actually going to be screening Hammer's Abominable Snowman of the Himalayas. I could um, see that. I mean, that was a very influential film on Lauren, you know? Well, yeah, but, you know, I thought, you know, his first real dip into it was Half Human from Japan. Oh, that's right. But yeah. I, I expected him to screen that, but um, he chose to screen um, Hammer's Abominable Snowman, which is a classic, great movie. I mean, um, I love that movie. And then I've got um, uh, Pamela Pierce Barcelo, Elsby Pierce's daughter, who um, paid I couldn't have much money to, but to have the the classic Legend of Boggy Creek uh, remastered, restored, the audio restored. And it is just uh, awesome in its presentation. If you've never seen this new um, version of it that she's had done, it's, it's, I would dare say, even better than the original 35 millimeter was um, because I saw it when I was 13 as a young boy and was, uh, was certainly influenced by that movie. Um, she'll be there to screen that movie and talk about her, her father and the making of the movie. And then the, um, the highlight, well, if if any any of those aren't highlight enough, but yet another highlight, but Eduardo Sanchez will be here to screen exist, which in my opinion is the very best Bigfoot movie ever made. Hmm. Um, and, um, and he'll be there to discuss the film as well and the making of the film and Dave Coleman, the author of the Bigfoot filmography will be our MC and he will be um, introducing the films and giving some background as he knows everything about every Bigfoot movie ever made. And uh, he will also be giving, we will have a, a VIP luncheon before, because this film festival is one day. It is from one o'clock PM to 11 o'clock p.m. 10 hours long five films screened and we are having a um a catered luncheon with the directors and the speakers beforehand uh, for the people that want to get the vip treatment and it's a catered italian by fine italian restaurant there Uh, the really cool thing about it is this theater is right on the town square in marshall and they have a big deal for Christmas. So, I mean, it's going to be, um, the square is going to be all decorated with the uh, Christmas, everything. And so it'll be, you know, lit up that night and it's going to be really cool. The luncheon is on the third floor, so it will overlook the, 
the town square so be, people will have a great view. And, and Dave is going to be giving a presentation about the history of Bill, Bigfoot films. Now, so did you, did you tell us when this is happening? It's, 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 it's December 11th. And the reason it's that date <laughs> is because 11th, right. The December 11th, <laughs> it will be, it's because Eduardo is a very busy director and he does a lot of um, TV series directing these days. Um, uh, Queens of the South, uh, Supernatural, and you know a lot of other shows that he directs episodes. And that's smack dab in the middle of his holiday break from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Sure. Probably, probably New Year's, but that was a time in the middle when he won't be uh, working. And so everybody has amended their schedules to make it work um, for that. But it, I think it's going to be a really cool event. It's a really cool theater. Got a really great sound system and screen. And, um, you know, it's going to be an opportunity to see all of these films with either the directors or principals or people that know about the history of the films there. And we'll be doing a Q&A after the films with all the directors. Um, so I think it's going to be a really cool event. And I'm already planning for it to be an annual event and cliff may have a hint anyway because he put me in touch with him but i've already got a verbal commitment from bobcat goldthwaite for next year to screen willow creek so awesome hopefully that'll be one of the movies screened with bobcat there as well as you know um three or four other films um hopefully we'll we'll even see something new that you know an up-and-coming uh bigfoot film director has put together that's really good and and will screen something like that as well as you know some classics with people that are involved with them stay tuned for more bigfoot and beyond with cliff and bobo we'll be right back after these messages sonidos of our music sonidos of our voices sonidos of our stories Listen to the sounds and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso en Satélites, and podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more. From music to stories, all that we are is in the sonidos of our culture. Listen now on Pandora. Yeah, you, you've told me several times that uh, the basic reason you throw a conference is to get your friends together in your neighborhood, you know? So, it's, yeah. it's, and whenever I've come down and I've done your conference, I don't know how many times, two or three or four now, I think. Um, uh, every time I'm down there, you do treat me like family and I really appreciate it. And, and it's a great conference. The day of the conference itself, a lot of great people show up and a lot of interest and a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of, it's just a lot of fun. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I certainly don't treat you like the redheaded stepchild of the family. That I am, right, exactly. Hmm. No, but I've told everybody from the start, as far as, you know, getting into Bigfoot research and, you know, whatever you want to call it, Bigfoot enthusiasm, you know, Bigfoot investigating, you know, fully 50% of it is the camaraderie. I mean, I've met some of my very best friends through the, um, you know, the Bigfoot community. And, um, you know, you're right about the conference. The conference to me, you know, I make it entertaining for the attendees, but, you know, um, the conference is a way, and I don't know how if people think bad of me for saying this, but the conference is a way for me to pay my 
pay my friend's way to come to, and hang out for the weekend. Um, you know, I rarely sit in on the presentations. Um, uh, I know that's, you know, that's what people come for and that's what they buy a ticket for. And that ticket allows me to, you know, fly you guys down from wherever. And, you know, Jeff Meldrum from Pocatello and Lauren from Portland, Maine, and, you know, whoever from wherever to come, you know, to come hang out for the weekend and, um, you know, have a good time. I, I, I enjoy hanging out with you guys. You guys are, are some of my, you know, some of my best friends, you know, when people ask me if I know you, I was like, yeah, you know, I knew these guys before, you know, finding Bigfoot when we were just, you know, um, hanging out. Uh, you know, I remember meeting Bobo at, uh, the 2003 international Sasquatch symposium and in Willow Creek and, and, you know, and then see him again in Pocatello and hanging out and, you know, just like, man, this dude's an awesome dude. He's cool. And, and, uh, and very likable and funny. And, and the same when I met you Cliff, but you know, you were a little more, um, subdued. I remember back in the days when you could only have a conversation about Bigfoot. Yeah. It was my, my uh, social, uh, issue at the time. Yeah. Um, and I guess now I can talk about a couple other things just because there has to be some sort of balance in my life, right? Exactly. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've always, every opportunity I've gotten to hang out with you guys or, you know, get to be included at a, a town hall meeting. You know, I think I've done, I've uh, been at or and or interviewed at, uh, I think I've attended four different town hall meetings and it's always you know, great to um, hang out and it's always great to see the reaction of the attendees at those things that, you know, uh, kids and adults alike, you know, are just, you know, fascinated with the subject and, and love the town hall meetings and hearing all the stories from witnesses and everything. And, you know, I know it's, you know, you're filming a, a, a TV series and all and, and, um, you know, that's not necessarily always fun, but, you know, the town halls are always great hearing everybody's story and seeing footprint casts and, you know, just stuff like that is, and, um, you know, I applaud you guys for, um, for everything you've done to bring Bigfoot to, uh, the general public because, you know, people complained about the show. Oh, it's not, it's you know, ruining Bigfoot research for us. And it's, you know, and it's people like, said that? <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm sure you never heard that, but you know, <laughs> people don't understand, people don't understand that that show was not made for Bigfoot research as investigators, because if it was, it'd be sitting around, you know, the camp with nothing happening or whatever. Yeah. And, and nobody would, would uh, be able to sell their commercials to the network. And, you guys wouldn't be able to get paid because nobody would watch if that's what it was. It's, it's entertainment. Um, it's a TV show and it shows things that are used and done in Bigfoot research, but you know, Oh, you'll never see anything with a camera crew following you around or whatever. It's like, you know, that's why incorrect. Can't you, why can't y'all spend more than a week there before you leave? You pack up and leave and go somewhere else. It's like, Oh, uh, anyway, I enjoyed the show, loved the show, and 
I love that you were on the show. You, we got to do a recreation on, with uh, you. And, and on the show. And and doing a recreation of my sighting from 1994 in Louisiana with, with Bobo there at the spot where it actually happened. I mean, it was really be- cool. And the beautiful Madison is your girlfriend? Oh, yeah, oh, and she got to play my TV. Well, she played my TV. Yeah, it was not my wife yet. So she was my TV girlfriend. And um, what's his name? Grandpa. Grandpa. Yeah, Grandpa was played me. Yeah, grandpa. <laughs> that's, that's something we didn't ask Grandpa when he's our guest on uh, our guest on the podcast a few like last month or whatever. Whenever that was, we should ask him like, what is it like being Craig Woolheater? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not everybody gets to play one on tv right? <laughs> he's not craig woolheater but he's played one on tv yeah i'm not craig woolheater though i played one on tv that's hilarious yeah that is good <laughs> i like that so what is going what uh, you know and i know this is about me but i you know i'm a kind of behind the scenes guy so what's going on with you guys I don't, we Can have to talk about you guys. You know, we, we we do this podcast together but nobody listens to it so surely you've got some <laughs> listenership yeah, we get some. Yeah, we're actually doing pretty. We broke into the top ten for natural sciences in America listenership. I'm looking to break into the top ten for unnatural sciences. <laughs> be kind of cool. I'm working on a couple documentaries, and then uh, yeah, I was going to say maybe I could come down to Texas. That's that. Well, shoot, it's in East Texas. Yeah, it's still in East Texas, but you know, you, you can actually fly into Shreveport. Shreveport's only about an hour away from. Well, yeah, Shreveport I'd, would be about 45 minutes away from where the film festival is going to be. It's about an hour from the, the conference. And then Texarkana is there. You know, they're not major hubs, but Shreveport's, you know, fairly big. Yeah, I've um, been there before. Yeah, I'm done flying. I was thinking about driving. That's a pretty oh, far well, drive. Well, you know, hell, you can stop along Bigfoot locations on the way. Talk oh, to yeah. people. That's uh, what John Bendernagel did when he came. He... He charted out his whole drive and stopped in and talked to witnesses, you know, kind of like John Green when he wrote Sasquatch, the Apes Among Us, just toured yeah. the country. You got plenty of places to check out, Bobo. Oh, dude, there's, I could take 10 years driving there stopping at Squatchy Spots. But... And, you know, that's not, you're not, you're less than an hour away from DuPont's place. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's, that's a great zone. That's, that's, that's one of the, Two yeah, top three zones in the country. I think that East Texas and West Louisiana, South Arkansas area. I mean, that's just I'm doing. Yeah, I'm working on a couple documentaries. We're shooting. We're shooting two of them actually at the same time. And then very cool. Uh, the company I'm working with is also doing a Knievel family documentary on the Knievels. So I'm getting a little work through that too. And then hopefully, if that goes into full production, I'll be working full time on that. Oh, that's cool because there. Is isn't there? There's a connection. And is it Bob Gimlin and and Evil Knievel? Yeah, Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin. We're, oh, right. we're both friends. We're both yeah, friends we're with. Uh, yeah, because uh, Bob Gimlin was the champion arm wrestler of Yakima Valley, and Evil was uh, he lived over in like Idaho, Montana area over there. But Yakima is just you know right there. Yeah, right there. He was a. Uh, I guess he uh, he opened a Harley shop, Harley, Harley Davidson dealership. Uh, in Yakima area and they hmm. got to know him through that and actually Evil had asked Bob if he wanted to go daredeviling on their motorcycles Yeah, because uh, Bob was a really good Bob was an awesome athlete you know and a bronc rider and he he rode motorcycles yeah. too so yeah he almost was he could have been he said ah, I mean you know I could make 25-35 bucks rodeoing on the weekend 
you know, uh, riding Broncos and with evil is going to be like $20 a weekend. So I just said, no, I want to, I got to make money. <laughs> yeah. I said like, there's no money in riding motorcycles or <laughs> <laughs> motorcycles, motorcycles. That's like, that's like bluff Creek. Right. Bluff yeah. Crick. Yeah. When in Rome. Yeah, yeah, I got corrected so. this weekend. I, I was up in um in Colville, Washington, and Bossburg and stuff this past weekend, poking around and stuff. And I, I spoke to a local and I said Colville, and he looked at me funny. He said, Colville. I said, oh, Colville. Yeah, I'm not from here. I promise you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you guys will, you know, have to get back down here to Texas soon. I, you know, I got the the Texas Bigfoot conferences coming up, and man, it it's just like two months away at this point i'm just it's getting close who's speaking this year just hit that just hit october 16th is that and you know we've got um we've got uh meldrum will be here and lauren coleman and then uh dr maria mayor from uh expedition bigfoot oh that's good i'd love to see what she has to say about some stuff yeah yeah i mean she i've i've known her for a few years uh you know certainly before the tv show came out and, um, you know, she, um, has had an interest. She wrote a, a paper in college about the Yeti, um, actually, that was one of her assignments. Um, not that that's any big thing, but I mean, she had an interest in, in cryptozoology and her husband is a TV, um, producer. He's actually the guy who did the, um, the Timothy Treadwell story, the, the grizzly bear guy oh yeah and uh, that's her husband he's he did that that he produced that show that just aired uh, the deal about um when Cher uh helped rescue that um elephant from i forget where it was in some decrepit zoo oh and okay. and ha- got it rescued to um in africa i believe that they flew it actually flew it there and and um uh, released it into uh uh, preserved there with other elephants, but it had lived, you know, like for, I forget, 35 years. I don't remember how long it since its mate had died, but it had, you know, grieved uh, for years and years in this decrepit zoo after um, its mate had died. And um, Cher, uh, you know, saw the plight of this and, and uh, Maria's husband, Phil Fairclough, had, um, was the producer on that show but he's done a lot of wildlife stuff. The first night I met them, we sat and um, when when she was on a speaking tour and spoke at the Perot museum here in Dallas and, and we met them over at their um, nearby hotel in the, in the bar at the hotel and Maria and Tammy started talking about kids and stuff. And, and Phil and I started, you know, we're talking about cryptozoology and we had actually both um, come up with the same show uh, I actually pitched it to it's the 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 guys that the guy that did that show with Brian Sykes collecting DNA evidence oh, and yeah. doing all that. That show um, sucked. <laughs> well, anyway, I'd pitched him a show called Finding Lake Monsters, pattern on your show. Um, but I thought it would be cool because you know, lake monsters are described as all kinds of different um uh, creatures, you know, giant fish, giant eels. Hell, giant beavers, uh, plesiosaurs, you know, whatever. And, you know, I thought that it would be a pretty cool show to have come out because I figured it'd be pretty popular. I don't know if it, you know, because I think even the Loch Ness Monster worldwide is still more popular, I think, than even Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the Yeti. 
but um, I thought it would be a cool show. And he had come up with the idea for that show too. So we, you know, talked about that for a couple hours. Um, I had pitched it, but it never, it never went anywhere, but uh, I was hoping it would, but I thought it'd be cool. But so the, those three, uh, Lauren Coleman, Dr. Meldrum and Dr. Mayor is going to be our the three guests. Are there anybody else going to show up to the? Yeah. yeah um, Lyle will be there. Lyle is there usually every year, but he, he always talks about something different, you know, something um, he's either written about or, or, um, you know, cases that he's involved with. And, and Shelly Covington, Montana will be there again, um, talking, you know, about collecting evidence and, and citizen science and such. And then she was a guest last year. So, um, you were there, um, Cliff, um, that, uh, Leah Fisher, the, uh, kids author uh-huh. that gave a presentation about, you know, um, cryptozoology being a gateway science for kids, getting them interested in science. Yeah. We sell her books in the museum actually now. Uh, yeah. She's kind enough to autograph them for us and everything. So, yeah, she's, she's really nice. And, and, um, you know, the books are, you know, built for a kid, you know, on a kid level, but yeah, you know, audience. you gotta start, you gotta start somewhere. And that was a big thing from finding Bigfoot is finding Bigfoot appealed to masses and masses of kids, you know, got them interested in Bigfoot and cryptozoology and, and science in general, um, huge fans of the show. And, you know, that was, as a matter of fact, I, I'll tell you a little story that I published it on Cryptomundo years ago, but there was a story that came out, a news article about a mother that was appalled when she came home, and maybe you know about this article because it was about your show. She was appalled when she came home and her young daughter was watching Finding Bigfoot. And she wanted to know who at school at the school was supposed to be teaching them that Bigfoot wasn't real. And I was I was appalled at that take on it, that trying to kill that, you know, childlike wonder, you know of anything being possible, you know, and I, my, you know, my take on it was like, well, why don't you just go ahead and stomp on Santa Claus, the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny right now too, for him. I mean, Jesus. Um, but yeah, she, she was astounded that, 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 you know, she thought education started at the school, not necessarily at the home, but she was appalled that, uh, her kid was watching finding Bigfoot and, and was believing in it and that somebody at school should, have taught her that Bigfoot wasn't real. Clearly a student, not in my class. I, I'm sure not. <laughs> you know, I've gone and spoken at schools and man, the parents get so pissed. Some of them just rage like the teachers and the principals will be like, man, I just caught just pure, pure venom and fury from people. Not, you know, most people didn't care, but I guess one time I told kind of a scary yeah, told told some sort of like some arms and legs getting ripped off or something, and these kids. They, uh, I used to ask for like just have them like because uh, they say, "How can we thank you?" You know, like we'll just have each kid draw like a little cartoon picture, like a little picture, and then like you know a couple sentences of what they learned. And it was that time. It was all I'm. I'm afraid to take out the trash. I'm afraid of the dark. Like, oh, I'm this. having nightmares. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a bunch of that. And like, like I, I just mentioned. Cause I said, well, you gotta be, I go, don't, I go, well, I said, you don't gotta be like live in fear of the Bigfoot, but you, I mean, if they're outside your cabin at night, don't go walking, don't go chasing after them in the woods at night, you know, cause that could turn over. And I, I made some off the cuff comment, like, well, yeah, there's been people that have their arms and legs pulled apart. And like that, <laughs> that course, that like little two second quip is what stuck with oh, them. Sure. So I got these yeah. like 
stick man drawings of like you know like like a arms brown crayon and then, then, yeah then like blood squirting off his torn off stick arm and <laughs> <laughs> well if you ever find any of those i'd love to put them up in the north american bigfoot center in the, in the children's section <laughs> yeah I to, I, we used to do jefferson um we have a a um the sponsor he, he he's put you guys up at at his uh, fully furnished house before that was haunted, cool. haunted prop haunted right bobo yeah you know what oh yeah that's another thing i talk about i mean i don't really talk about when people talk about paranormal things is we were at that house and i i said i i because sometimes i'll set stuff right on the edge of the counter but i know for a fact i put at least a two inch gap between this bowl and the counter and i was sitting there talking to cliff in the next room and all of a sudden the thing just flies on the floor and shatters well, you know, you're surrounded by gravitational anomalies. I think it's a, I think that's a fair um, statement to make. Uh, About uh, Bobo? Yeah, Bobo. Yeah, yeah. Bobo is surrounded by not only a cloud of chaos, but also gra- gravitational anomalies because things are always dropping and falling and tripping and all sorts of stuff. So. Well, well, that's and, usually and me. Also, yeah, well. And also, <laughs> tripping also and falling. People, people are naturally attracted to him too. So he has, he does have a gravitational pull. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the gravity but, of your situation is immense. You know, you guys are lucky because um, I'm trying to remember how long ago. I've, I've got a list of everybody that's spoken at the conference before, but one year that um, we were at a bed and breakfast and um, Rick Knoll and the Strains were staying. It was actually a Sears Craftsman, craftsman house that was behind the the bed and breakfast, you know, an old house that was ordered from Sears and Roebuck and, and built, but it was a, it had an attic space. It had like a, a dog run between the two rooms downstairs. First night Rick got there and the, the strains weren't there, but he um, was staying out there by himself that night. Uh, the rest of us were staying in the main house and, um, we had stayed up kind of late. We we used to stay up really, really late back in those days. Now I'm so old, I can't do it. But, you know, we'd stay up till three and four in the morning, even with Meldrum and Henner Fahrenbach and just sit around the table in the back. And, you know, that's, again, what it was all about. But Rick went to bed and he took off. He, you know, he wears like hiking boots all the time. One of those kind of guys. But he had taken his boots off um, when he got into bed, and they were right there um, at the, you know, side right beside the bed. And um, while he was going to sleep that night, he heard upstairs what sounded like children playing upstairs in the attic space above his room, and there was nobody there, but he could hear kids' laughter. Well, when he woke up the next morning and got out of bed his boots were already laced up and tied not on his feet though not on his feet no but he had he had untied them and unlaced them when he got into bed right right that's so they were untied and unlaced next to his bed yeah it would have been really cool if they were on his feet (laughs) But, (laughs) but you know when he goes to you know stand up out of bed his boots are laced and tied um there that wow, whole area is creepy and old, and l- it just looks haunted walking around the streets there. Well, yeah, there's a there's a lot of haunted stuff there. You know, there's a ghost walk in town. A lot, a lot of the buildings in town are, are hosted by um, my 
parents sold their bed and breakfast in 2008. So y'all hadn't been there by then, but, um, there was actually haunted stuff that happened at my folks bed and breakfast that like Rick Knoll and John Kirk and Lauren Coleman had stayed at. Um, but, um, and as a matter of fact, parts of the interviews with, uh, Lauren Coleman, John Bender Noggle were interviewed for Southern fried Bigfoot. They were actually standing in the yard at, at my parents' place when that was actually filmed way back when. Yeah. Jefferson's a cool town. Like I said, it's a Bigfoot capital of Texas. There's, you know, tons of sightings that have happened there around that area, around Caddo Lake. Um, there's, you know, one that was famous in 1965 where a 13 year old boy was chased by what he said was a big hairy monster <coughs> that came up out of a Creek. And that story got picked up, you know, was written in the local newspapers in Jefferson and Marshall. And it was picked up the, by the United press syndicate. And it was, that story was spread all over the world and it brought, you know, the legendary, but it's in the, it was real. Uh, the, you know, the, the gun toting monster hunter showed up in town to uh, get rid of this big hairy varmint. And the sheriff had a hell of a time dealing with all that. So there's, you know, there's a cool history there. Um, you know, that's why I started holding it there. Well, the biggest reason was I started in Jefferson because my parents owned a bed, a bed and breakfast there in town. And my mom was on the events committee of the bed and breakfast association. So after attending the Ohio Bigfoot conference in 2000 and then going back in 2001, I was like, you know, there's nothing like this in Texas. You know, I bet I could do this. And so I started in 2000, like I said, four days after 9-11 was the very first one in 2001. And this one is the 20th anniversary. Um, it got moved around some, but, um, since 2014, it's been back in Jefferson and, um, you know, we're supported by the city mayor issued the town proclamation in 2018, that it was the Bigfoot capital of Texas. As a matter of fact, if you'll remember Cliff, I got the news when we were both in Nebraska there with Daniel Perez. And I, I got the news while we were there that it had been signed in by the mayor and uh, was official in, in the newspaper stories is that's where I found out while we were there in Nebraska for the Nebraska Bigfoot conference. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, it's still like a copy of that proclamation. If you have one, I've got one, I've got one set aside. I'm, I'm horrible and getting stuff mailed out, but I'm good at reminding. It's no big deal. Okay. As long as you're good as reminding, I've got some of the event posters that have been signed. I've got a proclamation to send you. I've got those, uh, those hoax tracks from Texas to send you. Hopefully I can get a copy of the video uh, where we filmed uh, Jimmy Chilcutt examining those in his crime lab at the Conroe police department back in the day. Hmm. Um, so I've got, um, corroborating video evidence of him examining them and saying, you know, pointing out where human hands and fingers and stuff had, had made the prints that were, um, you know, submitted to us. So oh, yeah. okay. I, I'm hoping to get a copy of that video. So, you know, you can even show that in your hall of shame area of hoaxes. <laughs> yeah. Um, should you uh, care to, but I'll definitely get those tracks to you. I've got them boxed up. I just need to, to get them off to you. 
Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Uh, let's hear about your segment that you have that got you into the whole Bigfoot thing. Well, what actually got me started, I'll, I'll, it's uh, a little bit more than that, but what actually got me started in this was in the summer of 1969 here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there was a local creature that, you know, we're talking was like uh, 20 minutes from downtown Fort Worth at a, at a Lake Worth. Um, and it was... Um, there'd been sighting, you know, sightings going back and, and there's even been a few sightings, uh, since then, but the majority of it was the, the summer of 1969. And, um, you know, I was nine years old, so you can do the math there, but, uh, the summer of 69, but, uh, my grandparents lived out there and they had a boat, um, at the Marina on the next lake over that was just separated from by a dam, uh, from Lake Worth, um, Eagle mountain Lake. And, you know, we spent a lot of time out there, but, um, that summer, um, on the front page of the Fort Worth Star Telegram, July 10th and July 11th, there were newspaper articles written by Jim Mars, actually, who was the reporter. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Jim Mars was, but he was, uh, a conspiracy theorist and he, um, also wrote a lot, uh, about, um, the Kennedy assassination. But at that time he was, a uh, reporter for the Fort Worth paper and he covered the Lake Worth monster stories and um you know a tall <coughs> hairy um um mostly was recorded as you know like a white dirty white color was seen out there at the um out at Greer Island which was uh, is now a, a city a nature park and refuge but then was just like a lover's lane area where the teenagers hung out and went uh, parking, making out, drinking beer. Uh, but this thing was seen by hundreds of people that summer out there, including, you know, law enforcement officers, because of, of course there was people that, you know, went out there with guns and, you know, wanting to shoot it. And so there were police out there and the police actually saw this thing. So my grandparents saved those uh, stories from the, the newspaper for me. I had a scrapbook there where I had, you know, weird and unusual stuff. So they saved it for, my scrapbook. And then, um, about a month later when I was over at my grandparents' house, uh, I'd gone to a local convenience store, you know, when we were kids back then, we'd go like to the convenience store and, and get some gum and get a, a soda. Uh, you know, we called them the funny books back then, comic books. And, um, you know, on one of those wire racks, there was this book written by a local lady there that was the, the Lake Worth monster of Greer Island. And it had this drawing of a, a Bigfoot creature on the front of the book. And I bought that book and, and immediately read it cover to cover. And it was a woman that was investigating that out there at the lake. And, um, you know, she interviewed witnesses. And it's so crazy. B back then, you know, like the newspaper articles and such, you know, they would list the people's home address there. when They'd list their name, you know, no. a picture of them. And they'd give their address. A different time and, back then, yeah. And... Um, I got that book when I was nine years old and, um, and then the next year something happened to me, a, a kid at my school, um, I lived in Plano at the time here in North, North of Dallas had brought a book to school and it was a, a book by John Keel, the man who wrote 
the Mothman Prophecies, but this book came out five years earlier than his Mothman Prophecies book, which later became a movie in 2002 starring Richard Gere. But there was a chapter on the Mothman in this book, and the book was called Strange Creatures from Time and Space. And it had really cool cover artwork by Frank Frazetta. It looked like a, you know, kind of like an Indiana Jones guy. And he had a lantern holding up and he was surrounded like by all these different creatures. And so I got, I traded something to that kid or bought it from him. I don't know. Don't remember now, but got that book and it had chapters on all kinds of different creatures. Um, the one that I thought was pretty funny is that, you know, the Bigfoot type creatures down, you know, not in the Pacific Northwest, but the ones, you know, in, down here in Florida, he called them the abominable swamp slobs, which he abbreviated as ASS, A-S-S, <laughs> for the abominable swamp slobs. But, and then a couple of years later, you know, the legend of Boggy Creek came out and I saw it when it went on, you know, got national distribution in early 1973. It came out in 72, but really just screened in Texarkana, Shreveport, and um, a couple of other, um, El Dorado, Arkansas, and another one. Um, I was just talking to Pam Pierce uh, just uh, Sunday, so I uh, we were talking about that, but she reminded me that it, it showed those places too, those four areas before it went nationwide in 73, and that's when I saw it. And, you know, that movie just fascinated me because, you know, it was about a Bigfoot creature that was, you know, three hours from my home as opposed to the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, after, you know, I was a Boy Scout and went on camping trips and, you know, went out to some of these areas where these things were reported down here. And so it really made me think about it. But, you know, unlike some people, it wasn't something that, you know, I was really involved with, you know, growing up after, you know, getting a job and, you know, getting married and, you know, getting divorced and, you know, whatever. Until um, 1994, myself and and uh, my younger brother and my girlfriend and, and some friends, we took a road trip um, out to New Orleans uh, for Memorial Day, 1994. We left out from Dallas at about five o'clock in the morning, but, you know, we didn't have GPS or Google Maps or MapQuest or anything. So you just laid a roadmap out and plotted your course. And we, you know, we left about five o'clock in the morning on Friday and drove straight through to New Orleans and, and got there about one o'clock. Um, and as we were driving through central Louisiana, you know, it was mid morning and, you know, everything was fine. And, so we hung out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, you know, everybody had to leave at a different time, depending when they had to be back for work on Tuesday. So, you know, we took five cars and on the way back, everybody just kind of left when they needed to. So it was just me and my girlfriend and, and my friend that lived in the building that I did. Uh, we didn't set out until about nine o'clock on Monday night. My friend had to work the next morning, but uh, my girlfriend and I didn't. So we drove, you know, overnight. Well, as we are, you know, driving through central Louisiana and you saw it in the daytime, Bobo, but um, yeah. at nighttime, it looks quite different out there on that Highway 71, you know, a desolate highway with no traffic and no lights and out in the middle of nowhere. 
uh, where the sighting took place. Um, so we're driving and in my headlights off to the right of the road, you know, we see a, a tall figure over on that other side of the road, about halfway between the edge of the road and the tree line, about 30 feet from the road to the tree line. And so we saw a figure 15 to 20 feet away from the edge of the road. Uh, in my headlights, you know, we probably saw it, I don't know, seven, eight seconds. But, you know, as we're driving, we can see it better and better. And, it, you know, it was a tall, approximately seven foot tall, bipedal um, figure. Um, it wasn't a burned out tree stump. It wasn't a horse. It wasn't a cow. It wasn't a hunter in a ghillie suit. It wasn't, you know, somebody in a gorilla suit. Um, I mean, it was out in the middle of nowhere. And as you guys know, uh, for hoaxers, there has to be a payoff. You know, they're uh, not going to go out and hoax out in the middle of nowhere, out in the boondocks where everybody's got a gun in their truck or whatever. Um, but this thing was walking beside the road. It never looked up. It never deviated from its path. It was kind of hunched over, uh, but it was swinging its arms and walking parallel to the road you know, no more than 15 or 20 feet away from us. And as we passed it, we both looked at each other and simultaneously said, did you just see what I just saw? And we agreed we did. And so I said, what do you think you saw? And she goes, I think I saw a Bigfoot. And I was like, well, we've got to, we've got to stop. And she politely said, hell no, we're not stopping. Mm -hmm. And so we drove kept driving and you know we uh, pretty soon got into that little town of bunky i don't know how many what the population is but it's a small town uh certainly was small back there in 94 and it was memorial day probably about 11 30 at night and there was nothing nobody nothing uh nothing open the sidewalks were rolled up and so we just continued driving through town um till we got to that um that little church over there on the east side of the road that we pulled in the blacktop parking lot a, a pole with a light on it and we pulled in and and talked about it for about 10 minutes and um you know my friend that was in the back seat was still asleep actually so we got back on the road and didn't really talk about it on the road got home didn't talk about it to anybody it was just something weird that happened to us and this what is the part that's well, it was, it was, you know, it looked like it was covered in gray hair, fur. Um, it was bipedal. It was kind of leaning forwards. Um, you know, it was actually walking parallel to the road. So, you know, we got a, a good side view of it. You actually got the uh, lights it, on it too, right? The car lights. Yeah, had the lights up. on it. And that's, that's why I say it looked, it looked gray in my headlights. I don't know that that was the color, but that was the color that was, you know, showing in my headlights. And, and then, you know, because there was no lights out there. So as soon as we passed it, I mean, it's pitch dark again. It didn't see any, any, you know, any uh, facial figures or, you know, um, my um, my girlfriend at the time said she thought she, you know, was actually able to close enough to see in the lights, you know, some muscle definition because it was moving. But um, what was your you know, size guesstimates? Like, how, how, like, you know, as far as build and. Height and weight, guess. Uh, well, it, it it did. It wasn't as thick as Patty. Yeah, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't as bulky as the Freeman footage. Um, it was. It was certainly muscular, but it wasn't. Um, 
that bulky. But again, you know, I only saw it seven or eight seconds at most at night. Um, the thing that just stood out to me is it was big. It was big and gray and covered with hair, and it was moving. It wasn't, like I said, a stationary object. What would you guess the height? What would you guess the height? I remember I, I did the recreation. I guess I probably around seven foot. You know, it okay. was kind of slumped over in the front. Um, you know, it wasn't standing, you know, certainly straight up erect. Uh, it was, you know, kind of hunched over a little bit. You know, it, it had been walking in pitch darkness. I mean, because, you know, there were no road lights, street lights, no oncoming traffic, no, no, you know, lights out there. So it was, you know, it was dark. But um, so it obviously didn't my my headlights to see where it was going. But, um, you know, it didn't. And like I said, you know, we passed it and it was still there as we passed it. Now, I don't know if it ran off or ran into the tree line, you know, Bobo, you were there at the, at the, you know, you were there, there was the tree line across the road with a right. fence. And then there was that big swampy bayou, you know, on the, on the other side of the road where we uh, interviewed over there because it was, you know, it was just too dangerous on that side. It was too dangerous actually during the day on that side um, of the road where the creature actually was because you know, the traffic zipped right along during the, during the day there, and we didn't feel comfortable actually crossing the street over there to where it actually took place. We we pointed across the the state highway there from where it was uh, because there wasn't really easy access over there where you know we felt protected. So, but this thing, you know, at that time at night there was nothing, no traffic. I I can't recall seeing any cars and i'm talking you know that's basically from baton rouge to alexandria and i don't remember seeing any cars because it was just you know it was a monday night at 11 30 and there there wasn't anybody out yeah, there's was, there's was, that was not the place you'd expect a hoaxer at all there was nowhere for him no. to go no there was you know like i said there was you know, there was that big swampy area that uh, that was there, and then there was the trees on the other side of the road. But, you know, there was water all around there, you know, swamps and bayous and stuff. That was there be, gators? Oh, yeah. When the, I, I tell you a little story. I should have even sent you the picture. The last time we went there, we went there in 2019, the weekend after it happened for the 25th anniversary, another Bigfoot, two Bigfoot groups. Uh, through a 25th anniversary of my sighting, we went camping out there. Um, there's a state park not far, um, wasn't far at all away from there. So there's a state park that's right there. We um, went out there, and when we when we left that state park, when Tammy and I were leaving, driving, I actually saw something strange as roadkill. And I circled back around. She thought I had just seen like an 18-wheeler tire. It was a four-and-a-half-foot alligator roadkill on the side of the road mm -hmm. right there. So, yeah, there's there's alligators there. Um, you know, I, it's, it's probably almost – I tell anybody that goes to Florida, if you see a puddle of water in Florida, you better assume that there's a friggin' alligator in that because there's alligators everywhere out there. All right, well, Kramer. Th thank you so much for coming on Bigfoot and Beyond. I really appreciate it. I, you know, I, 
I've gotten to the point of um, not really doing many of these, doing any of these except for friends. I'm really a behind the scenes guy. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not into, you know, talking about myself or, you know, it, it's, you know, even in my conferences, I'm generally behind the scenes. I, I, I just, uh, I like putting on events that people enjoy bringing my friends to town and hanging out and, uh, you know, put on an entertainment, entertaining program for people that, that come to that because they buy a ticket and that, you know, allows me to, um, fly you guys down first class and, <laughs> um, hang out for the weekend. Well, in, in case any of our listeners want to check out the Texas Bigfoot Conference or the Texas Bigfoot Film Festival or the 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 the, the what is the it the Falk Falk Monster Festival, the Falk Monster Festival, um, where, where can they find information on this sort of thing? Just search on Facebook. They they have dedicated Facebook pages and event pages and all the information on upcoming events. Uh, next year's Falk Monster Festival is already up on there. The twenty twenty two Falk Monster Festival. Um, we give, you know, bus tours of, of, of scenic points in the area where, you know, where the movie was filmed or actually where sightings uh, took place there. Uh, we have a guy that will in, uh, in a boat that will actually take you out on Boggy Creek on, on a boat at night. Oh, wow. Um, so there's all kinds of cool stuff that that happens at these. And in Jefferson, I'm actually looking at putting together a a bus tour of sighting locations uh, that have happened um, there um, in the area um, because people enjoy that. The The bus tours always sell out to go see um, stuff to, um, to see. And, and, you know, this last one, the Falcon Monster Festival, uh, we raised uh, $500 that were giving a scholarship to one or two uh, Falk high school seniors uh, this um this coming year and uh, we will be issuing those those um those scholarships we do that in jefferson too to uh um a a a male and a female senior we um um, we give out two scholarships there in town to give back to the community um um for um you know uh allowing us there and and, uh, you know, at first putting up with us at first, you know, it took them, it took a while to embrace it. But like I said, Jefferson with the conferences is the Bigfoot capital of Texas as proclaimed by the mayor. Uh, there's a, you know, Bigfoot statues in town, which is in the, up in uh, Northern California is nothing in the Pacific Northwest, but down here in Texas, that's pretty, uh, pretty cool to have Bigfoot statues. And we've got a, a uh, one store that is just about all Bigfoot stuff and the general store carries Bigfoot stuff. So it's, you know, I've been working for years to get a Bigfoot museum there in Jefferson. And the problem is I live three hours away, but um, I I have plans to relocate there permanently. And if so, then, uh, then I'll get the Bigfoot, the Texas Bigfoot museum up and going, but all the information on all the stuff I got going on is on Facebook. Fantastic. All right. Well, there you guys, there, there you guys have it. Yeah. I, I would definitely check it out. I've been to the Texas conference numerous times. It sells out pretty much every year. I think, um, I think this film festival thing with only 500 some odd tickets available, that's going to sell out. So I don't, don't sit around in your laurels for too long, man. Go grab some tickets. Hey, and if you guys want to come to the festival, just to come and hang out and watch the movie, 
you got a comped ticket, so show up. All right, we'll see what we can do about Thank that. Thank you. We'll set you up on the VIP row with with uh, Eduardo Sanchez and and folks. Lyle Blackburn. Lyle, yeah, Blackburn, Lyle Blackburn, and Pam Pierce, Pam. Lauren Coleman. Fantastic. And that's on December and 11th, right? 11th of December. Which is the 11th, of course. I, want, I don't, yes. don't want people to think it's 21st or something. It's actually the 11th of December in 2021. Yes, sir. Marshall, Texas. All right, Craig. Fantastic. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Always a blast to talk to y'all. All right. You know, Bob, I'm a little surprised it took us that long to have Craig on. We say that every week, and it's we true. do say that every week. It is totally, <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's it's a lie. It's a, like a sincere thing. I I I wonder who else we haven't had on that we should have on. Uh, well, we went through that list because remember, I remember when we got to like thirty people. I'm like, God, we're going to run out of people here pretty soon. Then I'm like, we're like at 115 or something like that now. And it's it's like, and I still we made a list not that long ago. We still there were still like 70 people that we were like, we can't believe we have these haven't had these people on. So I can't believe I know so yeah. many people. I, that's what I thought because at first I was thinking I was like. God, there's not that many people. And I was like, there's all these, well then, yeah, I don't want to bother. I know some people are like really busy and aren't doing podcasts. And so you, know, you don't want to ask them. Then you ask them, they're like, oh, sure. You know, and then, then some people get like kind of upset. You hadn't asked them sooner. I'm like, well, I didn't want to bug you. You know, they're like, no, I've been waiting to come on. I'm like, well, I didn't know. You know, I thought you might be like grinding your teeth having to do something like that. But yeah, yeah. we got, we got a pretty good uh, social network for the Bigfoot and, uh, we have a great uh, Bigfoot network and we got a decent others uh, beyond network, the Bigfoot and beyond the beyond part. Uh, we got to make more inroads in there, I guess. Ah, you can have it, man. I'm a Bigfoot guy for life and I don't, I don't, <laughs> don't have time for ghosts. Don't have time for UFOs. Although I think they're cool. Don't get me wrong, but uh, God, who has time for anything? Uh, UFOs are way better than ghosts. Yeah, I would think so. Of course. Now we're going to get hate mail from the ghost people too. Uh, bring it on. Bring it on. All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. Hit like, hit share, turn friends and family onto the show if you like it. We'd appreciate that. And until next week, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 